Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. Today is Monday, June 22nd. Guess what? Our esports field correspondent is back on the show. Uh, well, welcome back, buddy. We missed you. It's been a while. It's been it's been at least two weeks now. Uh, I'm glad to be Long. back. Though. It's been a very busy Long. two weeks. Even today, on a day off, it has been exceptionally busy. So, it's just the way it goes, I guess. So, hit us with the news. Okay, let's see. I got a couple different things. Uh, I'm gonna not go directly into esports, but I will go into gaming first, and we'll kind of close it out with some esports related news. Uh, first one is interesting. I don't know if you guys know the uh, brand MSI. Uh, they make various things. I know Tyler, you looked for a new yep, GPU I'm recently, and they they make those. Uh, they are going to start building their new gaming desktops in America, which Ooh. is which is surprising. They're actually calling it the MIA Gaming Desktop, Made in America Gaming Desktop. So. Uh, obviously, the parts will still be sourced from from outside of the country because those are manufactured there. But they traditionally make their their, their ready to ship PCs in Taiwan, uh, but they're going to start making them here. So I thought that was a pretty interesting development because we we don't usually see larger manufacturers doing that. We we get a handful of smaller ones like System seventy six that that will do that. So that, I thought that was pretty interesting to see was that uh, MSI was going to start making some stuff here. But that's not nearly the coolest thing I've seen as far as gaming PCs go. Uh, are either of you familiar with Vulcan? Ever heard the term other than maybe in Star Trek? From Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> uh, Vulcan is actually an API for for graphics use, right? Just like similar to DirectX uh, running inside of Windows. I, uh, I did stumble across that, but educate us. Yeah, yeah. So, so Vulkan is is really kind of an open source uh, graphic API that you can use, and it's multi platform. So, it could run on Windows, it could run on Linux, it could run on Mac OS. It could even be used on phones, and it's it's becoming a little bit more popular. But one interesting use of it I saw today was uh, an Nvidia engineer got the Vulkan driver working for their Raspberry Pi and is running Quake Three at over 100 frames per second. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, at, at, at a 720p uh, resolution, which is just incredible. I mean, I'm thinking yeah, myself. Wow, wild. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild. In fact, what's interesting is the screenshot shows, I think, about 130 uh, right there, which if you ever played Quake 3 back in the day, you actually kind of needed to run it at, at 125 frames per second to be competitive because of the way the physics engine worked. And so now Raspberry Pis are able to actually run uh, one of the most historic games of all time appropriately to be to be highly competitive. So it's pretty cool. Russ, can I take us down a little um, tangent here? Sure. Can you help us understand the frame rate and why that's important? Yeah, I, there's a couple reasons for it. Uh, you just you mentioned like t- the ties to the physics engine and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's actually that's a that's a really big point. So there's a couple different reasons why the frame rate uh, can be important. One of which, and some of my friends who listen to the show will most certainly send me messages stating contrary because they know it bothers me. Is one of which is just for just the smoothness of the gameplay, right? So you've seen games like when we played Halo back in the day; those games ran at 30 frames per second. Um, what's interesting is is 30 frames per second is about the minimum you need to have a smooth picture. You'll still have some blurring; it won't look very clear. Uh, and, and it actually limits its response because if you have less frames, it responds a little slower. But what's interesting is, is these developers tie the frame rate to specific needs within the game engine itself. 
So Halo, oh. as an example, mm-hmm. now can run on PC at an unlimited frame rate. Nice. But it actually makes it look and run odd at times. Tyler, I think you <laughs> played um, the the Master Chief Collection on there. Yeah, and, a little and bit. Some of the games behave very strange, and that's because they're having to adjust the the frame timing that you're getting from you know running it at 200 frames per second as opposed to the original 30. That's really with interesting. Ran. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. And for games that have high high movement speed or very very high precision rates. You now have to consider what the server's frame rate is also, also, which a lot of people don't think about. But your ability to render frames directly corresponds with your ability to send and receive frames to a server. Mm-hmm. And, and so we see, in fact, there was over the weekend, actually the last two weeks, Call of Duty League moved from a 12 hertz server to a 60 hertz server, which meant it moved from a terrible server to a slightly less terrible server. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure 60 is still not that amazing. I it's, mean, it's really not. Um, but consoles... Table stakes, probably. It, it's, well, it's played on consoles. Um, Call yeah. of Duty at the professional level is, and they, they tend to, to limit their frames at about 60 frames per second for these higher end titles. So there's really no need for the server to go above that. But if you were to sure. watch Counter-Strike, they are all the competitive games are played on a 128 tick server, which means that the server will send and receive 128 frames at a time, basically. And if you do not hit that frame rate on your computer, you will actually be at a disadvantage. And you could even cause uh, cause issues for other players on the server. So there's definitely limitations. Um, we can't do a thousand frame servers because we're not going to be able to hit a thousand frames in the game. We don't want to screw anything up that way. But it is a very, very important point to maintain very high frame rates, especially now as we have monitors, which is the other side of this from the user experience. They go up to a refresh rate of 240 hertz. And that is, you know, I've actually got a couple of friends who have that. My monitor is 144. You need to be able to maintain a minimum frame rate at your resolution or or at your uh, refresh rate or higher in order to really maximize your your gaming experience and even mm. kind of your performance at this point. Um, you won't see a professional gamer um, playing on anything less than a 144 hertz monitor in 2020. It just won't happen. So there's a, there's a lot of things that the frame rate can tie into that becomes incredibly important. And it has been that way since the 90s when you know Quake was coming out. Can I blame my crazy. poor play when I let the team down on my monitor refresh rate? You Definitely. can blame it on a couple things. Um, Absolutely. It's a pretty standard this is what across I need the to board. Um, <laughs> none of which is actually directly correlated to your skill. That's completely irrelevant. This is what I need. <laughs> yeah, you can you can blame it on <clears throat> your monitor um, or your computer being too slow to run the appropriate amount of frames, or you can blame it on lag. Lag's super, super popular. It's always, it's always um, lag. It's universally accepted. And so nope. <laughs> just know that you've you've never actually lost a game that was fairly played in my opinion there was always there was always something that got in the way of you winning and it was never the other team okay so they're and they're using bots if everything is clean so have you seen the the stuff in destiny 2 where the other team just appears right behind you i so you have pointed that out to me before but yeah. I don't think I've experienced it. Uh, I, I think that there's scenario, uh, obviously, especially because I know you're you're playing on PC. There are people. It's easier to cheat on PC. Okay. <laughs> so, so people are very <laughs> likely, um, you know, and it's a big industry, by the way. And maybe we should, you know, talk about this on an episode sometime. But there is a probably several hundred million dollar, if not billion dollar, industry out there for cheating in games. 
Uh, and that's not just on PC. Oh yeah. There's people out there that run a business, um, just like, you know, bad actors that, you know, choose hacking as their chosen profession. Dark web. The dark web. There's, I mean, you can go to websites (laughs) and I won't say any of them because I will not encourage this. They can, you can pay for cheats and, and that's, you know, people will cheat and, Destiny or Counter Strike, kids or Halo these or days. Else. Can you believe it? Those kids. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the modified codes. Xbox early days, <laughs> right? And and that was a combination of just like garbage cheating, right? Where you'd spawn and die floating through the air because they'd modified the game. But then you'd also see people firing warthogs out of uh, rocket launchers, and that was hilarious. <laughs> so, well, so get this. Um, I'll, I'll shift this to the esports side of things. So, the Call of Duty League. Um, is it goes on on the weekends, most weekends. And the I was watching it this weekend. Dallas was playing, and we ended up losing in the semifinals. We've actually lost in the semifinals two weeks in a row. And through that, you know, basically Call of Duty is a, a, a really good place for <laughs> for Twitter. Like, they, it's just, it's a very popular tool for, for the players is to go out on Twitter and, and really just complain. Well, one of the players, his name is Clayster. He actually went out and started making, not accusations, but just pointing out that it's frustrating to be thinking that people could actually be cheating during this, which is very rare on console. It's not impossible, but it is rare. And so I looked this up and it turned out to be that there is a device that you can purchase. And this is something that I was completely unfamiliar with until I looked this up. You can, do, you can purchase this device to connect your controller to any console. So if you liked your Xbox controller, but you wanted to use it on PlayStation, you could use this device to do it. What? As it turns out, those devices can also be modded. They can be modded to do things like counteract recoil in a game and handle your spray control. And there is a possibility because all of these tournaments are online right now and not on land in person due to COVID Ah. that some people are doing this. And, and are they mm. undetectable or it in this particular case? Yes. Like the PC, I can imagine that it's very it difficult to do. Well, cause yeah. it's a physical, it's a physical yeah. hack yeah. Yeah, yeah. as opposed to a virtual one. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you look at the, uh, like clients they use for counter-strike or Valorant or something on PC, they have kernel level cheat detection software, uh, in there. That's, it's basically spyware you have to put on your PC to play it. <laughs> And, and those things you can kind of work around, but they eventually work about finding most things. But a physical hack like this is, is a, whole, a whole other level that could possibly be going on here. And here's what I find completely wow. interesting about this. Because uh, to be honest, I was frustrated because we lost in the semifinals two weeks in a row. And so I started looking at this one team, which is the Florida Mutineers. They're a team that up until the last two weeks... <laughs> I really haven't paid a significant amount of attention to, to be honest. I mean, they were a top five team. I think they were number five in the league, but they really were not a threat. Dallas is a one or two place team in the league. And they stomped us. Wow. Um, I mean, the, it was actually a 3-2 victory, but they the, the games were not close that they won. And then they stomped FaZe, which is the pretty consistently the number one team in the league if, if we're not able to beat them. They beat them 3-0, and one of them was with a record scoreline. So I sort of said to myself, how did you all of a sudden win back-to-back tournaments when you were like the fifth-place team in the league, and now you're stomping everyone? Like, are these guys using this you know, this cheat? I, I really don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they are, but it is a little suspicious that they went from decidedly fifth place to 
in the last two weeks, you you couldn't argue against them being the best team in the league. And it wow. came out of nowhere. It's pretty crazy. Is, is doping a thing in esports? Dope, doping is a thing. Yeah. In fact, it's regulated. Um, it, that's really for the higher end esports, uh, especially like Counter Strike and League of Legends and stuff. They'll uh, they'll test for things like like Adderall uh, and and just all sorts of different basically focus or reaction enhancing drugs. Nice. So that actually started probably three to five years ago, I want to say. And there's been various scandals around it over the past few years. So yeah, it's it's pretty. Doping's it gets everywhere. pretty in depth, well, especially whenever anytime, you're playing. Anytime there's comp- competitive and yeah, money exactly. If, if yep. it's competitive and there's money on the table, people will unfortunately gravitate towards giving themselves whatever advantage there is, whether it's fair or not or sportsmanlike. So it's actually yeah. interesting to see it. It just everywhere it is and you know there's also part of the reason why there was a big explosion in esports was obviously the proliferation of twitch but it's also because of some of the economic systems in the games like if you guys have seen me stream and see me play counter-strike some of my weapons just have these these skins on them they have you know different art designs on them stuff like that those things are are worth money we've discussed that before Mm -hmm. but you can also trade those or you can bet them on on stuff yeah you've brought that up before yeah so the betting is interesting that's actually what mark cuban is invested in is is the betting side of the business and that's driving a lot of it much like betting drives a lot of traditional sports what we're also starting to see is more and more on the collegiate side Um, i know we talked about this in a previous episode that there are some some scholarships for this it's getting a little bigger um face it which is one of the larger third-party providers of, of online tournaments and even in-person tournaments is launching a collegiate sports division, uh, like an entire division explicitly ran for, for you know focusing on collegiate esports uh, going forward. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that that goes. But uh, we're seeing we're seeing multiple different tiers kind of break out in in the esports realm, and they're all going to have to deal with these problems of. Yeah. of cheating and doping and, and the gambling side of it. Match fixing is huge. I mean, players get lifetime oh, yeah. bans for being found in match fixing. <laughs> um, it's, it's pretty crazy uh, to see a lot of this as it, as it, as it explodes over time. Cause I think the issue with, if you compare it to traditional sports, esports grows much faster because it's growing at the rate of the internet. Yeah. Right. And accessibility. I mean, huge, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like that kid who grew, you know, faster than everyone else and then just wasn't coordinated you know running around yeah like my friend that's a, ralph <laughs> that's a great analogy yeah like that's what esports is right now man we're we're, we're a you know 13 year old that's six seven and and trying to figure out you know how to how to walk into the gym sort of thing so. <laughs> it's interesting to think that there'll be so there's some you know i don't want to call anybody out but there's some commonly ref, uh referenced famous sports players that are known in history just as uh, they, they fixed the competition that they were in. Right. Yep. It's interesting to think that in the future, you know, 20 years from now that there will be a famous name associated with esports for somebody that fixed a, uh, a massive match or something like that. So yeah. there actually already is, um, okay. now granted, um, it's, it they're wasn't not maybe massive. a household name at this point. Or something. Yeah. They're not a household name because obviously the esport isn't, but there is an entire team that was, uh, sponsored by iBuyPower, which is a custom computer company. And they were called Team iBuyPower. And they were the best North American team. 
they were at least one or two. And and just so you know, it's really important <laughs> because North American Counter-Strike is traditionally, it lags behind the European scene. And having a team that was in the top four in the world was was a big deal. Well, they lost a very suspicious match. I actually watched this match. Um, I remember where I was when I watched it and said to myself, I was like, man, this just does not make any sense at all. It doesn't even feel right. It didn't feel right. Exactly that. And it came out um, not too long after Richard Lewis, who's a a very, very sort of famous and popular esports journalist. He's been doing it for 20 years. He, He broke the story on the match fixing scandal. And four of the five players were were found guilty in it, and they were banned from Counter Strike for life. Wow! And and so they they can't compete in Valve sanctioned. Uh, Valve is the owner of Counter Strike. Valve sanctioned competitions, which basically means they can't get on really really large teams in general. And and some third party providers actually lifted their bans, but Valve never did. So a lot of those players are now switching to that Valorant game I told y'all about, which is very similar to Counter Strike. Yeah. They're not banned there. But oh, they, really? so they can play in that, and so it's that's a that's a different dynamic. Is it's not like hmm. uh, I'm trying to think of the famous you know guy who bet on baseball games. Can't think of it right now. Yeah, Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Yeah. So Pete Rose. Yeah, I was trying you know, not to say his he, name earlier, yeah, but sure, he'll, he'll never you know he'll never get <laughs> back in right. Um, and so that's not the case for some of these players. They've had the opportunity to have a game come out where their skills are very much so transferable. That's wild. And they're able to get back into it. Uh, but it is, they were made an example of for sure. Very early on. I mean, this yeah. was probably 2013 or 14 when that happened. So it's, it's been seen and it, it'll happen again, especially as this yeah. gets much, much bigger. Like once the, the United States, once the scene is as big here as it is in places like South Korea, where mm. it's more of their national sport. Like I think I've described this to you guys before. If you have their national soccer team about to go in a match, they'll actually have a professional StarCraft player come in before the game and talk to them, and the soccer players will be giddy. Like, they'll just be like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, I can't believe they're here. Yeah, like, it's it's a, it's completely so cool. different. It's a, it's a different cultural that acceptance cool. over there. And the more it gets accepted here, the bigger it will become. And as things get, once they're bigger here, they're, they tend to be bigger around the world. And as that continues to happen, you're just going to get more and more money flooded in and more and more people who are going to try and do anything they can you know, to, to affect that money. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's a, it's a watch this space sort of thing. It's very interesting. Nice. That's very cool. Tyler, you got any thoughts on that? I think I threw a ton of questions over at him. No, I, I was just learning, listening. That's, that's interesting stuff. I'm always fascinated with the way that, uh, sports in general is growing, changing. Um, it's interesting to think of it as, as being really young and therefore running into issues for the first time that they're trying to address. Um, I think there will be so much interesting news that comes out of that kind of stuff over the next few years for sure. Um, but there, there'll never be, I guess, uh, a slowdown. Well, maybe that's not the right way to say it. They could slow down, but there's always going to be new platforms to drag new interest in as well. But, you know, as Russ was saying, some of those talents are going to go across those platforms. Certain players are going to be very good. And I'm sure that's because game mechanics are similar enough, which is neat because the game itself can actually change and the players may stay the same, which is, I think, uh, really, really different compared to a traditional sport. That doesn't mean 
games like Counter-Strike go away either. Those are going to be, I guess, no. staples. Counter-Strike will be here until the end of time. Yeah, it's, probably. It's 21 years old at this point, and it's only grown every year. It's it's here for good. I think, you know what the biggest threat is to esports? Um, and we're, we have this in front of us right now. It's, it's very visible. There are some leagues um, potentially ran by Activision. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> as that, an example. <laughs> just as a possibility of an example. Um, that they have a very large outside investment from parties that, you know, the money to them maybe isn't that big of a deal, but, you know, they, they see it as a huge opportunity. And it is. And so there's the Call of Duty League and there's the Overwatch League, both of which have several hundred millions of dollars invested in them into a franchising aspect. And we've tried this before, and it's almost always failed. And there's there's the right way to do franchising. There's the wrong way to do franchising. And, and one of the wrong ways to do franchising might be asking for $60 million for a franchise of an eSport that is not established. Like Overwatch. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And we're it's seeing, and I'll watch Overwatch. It, it, 100%. It's a huge barrier to entry. But it's also a very high risk vector. It has a very, very high probability of failing. And if you look at that from the standpoint of they just had this huge investment, which creates high visibility to something that is more than likely going to fizzle out and die. That might weaken the entire ecosystem of esports for a while. It may set us back almost like the way a bubble might burst. So it could be considered a bubble that could burst, come back down to reality, get some more appropriate valuations under yeah. their belt. And then it sets back at five, 10 years. And then we continue going. I think overall, it's going to take the Warren Buffett approach and everything's going to grow. It's just going to, everything's going to go up and to the right over time. Sure. But I do think we're going to continue to have these, you know, in the grand scheme of things, what will be minor setbacks, but at the time will feel like very, very large setbacks as we have over investment or over rotation into a league or a game title, esport, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And and it affects people who, quite frankly, are are still the type of people, even after it fails, that will want, like the Mark Cubans of the world and mm. the, you know, the different, you know, sports owners that are willing to put in that type of money. Robert Kraft has, you know, he put $25 million down on a team, which means nothing to him. I mean, Jerry Jones <laughs> right. bought one for sure. 20, you know, Jerry doesn't care about that 20 million. These are side bets. It, exactly. They're side bets, but it will be a very visible crash when it happens. And and yeah, that's, wow. that's the threat. I think that we, we see in the space uh, at the moment. What's wild is when, when we were kids playing video games, I never in my wildest imagination even thought about something like this happening. I can just remember thinking, wow, it's going to be awesome 15 years, 20 years in the future when graphics are phenomenal, right? Because you could <laughs> right. see that happening, right? You could see mm-hmm. it. I mean, you just knew you, uh, even at that age, we knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So, well, so you know, what's interesting is in high school for me, I had a, fr- a friend of mine, his name's Travis. Uh, he's one of my best friends, one of the smartest people that I know, but we always like had a very, very big disagreement, almost even argument level of watching people play professional video games. And I remember when I was a, I think it was a freshman in high school. I said to him, I said, man, I think in, in the next 10 years, this is going to be pretty big. Like I think people are going to be playing counter-strike at a professional level and filling stadiums and, you know, and, and, and they existed back then, but it was very small time. I mean, See, I even part, competed the, at the invite level. Yeah. But the filling stadiums part that like, that, that's insane. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I would have never, never would agree to that. But it's funny because in you know I don't get a lot of this in life, so I take advantage of this as much as possible. But I was right, <laughs> and and so I I like to remind him. In fact, almost every time there's some big you know news article about this thirty million dollar or thirty million viewer, I don't even care about the money. It's the viewer count that I that I love sure. seeing. It's like thirty million people tuned into this. Yeah, twenty seven million tuned into the NBA finals. And in basketball, obviously, <laughs> my favorite sport. It's his favorite sport. And so I'll send him that. I'm not you know, taking anything away from the NBA. I love it. Ready for it to start again. But it's like, hey, remember in ninth grade when yeah. I said this was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Shout so, out to smart Travis. Russ was right. <laughs> yeah, that's I was right, say, Travis. Travis, if you're listening, replay that last bit a few times. Yeah, you're right about everything else in life, but I got this one. <laughs> come, come on the show, Travis, and defend your honor. There that's you right. go. There you go. No, that's, that's awesome. That, it is neat to think about that scale. And I remember, gosh, I'm trying to think where it was. I guess it was probably Vegas the last time I was in town for a conference, um, just seeing the, the billboards for e-games at stadiums. And I know I've seen yep. it in Dallas as well. But it is fascinating to see them literally filling up stadiums. That's not something that I would have predicted. I don't know that I would have argued against it because I was a pretty avid, you know, Halo player. And I remember early days of Counter-Strike and folks, you know, just watching little tournaments even um, at that point in time. But I, I wouldn't myself have predicted that it was going to scale quite like this. Oh, it is Tyler, awesome. Avid is not a strong enough word to describe your relationship <laughs> with Halo. <laughs> uh, I played just enough to not leave school without attending class. <laughs> he yeah. played just enough just, just to not still enough. be worse than me. <laughs> Woo! That's probably there true, Russ. That's probably true. But nobody will play Halo with me, even, hey. even on the PC with the Master Chief Collection because of uh other games so people on well, guys Tyler it's only time. it's only so fun to play basketball against LeBron James it's only <laughs> I mean, it doesn't LeBron if you're listening I'm ready if you want <laughs> that's right that's right all right uh I think that wraps up a very solid episode yeah is there anything else we need to make sure we cover oh uh, there's all kinds of interesting stuff out there um uh, but uh, I feel I feel e-game centric was totally the way to go in this one. Should yeah, let's go ahead and in? correct that too, and not say e-games anymore. Say e-sports. 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 My bad. Sports time. My bad. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the WWF, right? Gone WWE. We've we've reversed that. E-games is what my mom would say. Don't <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Russ's mom? <laughs> now you know. All right, shut it down, Tyler. Thanks for coming back. Oh, man. Russ, uh, Russ it was phenomenal having you on, man. Love the updates. Always fun topic uh, to cover or topics. There's a ton going on there. And uh, we'll obviously have to have you back on. Travis, you're welcome to come. As Aaron said, defend your honor there. But that brings us to a close of another Tech Breakfast podcast. We hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you've got news we missed, general feedback, or you want to join us for a recording, let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.